0: We took the challenge and swapped
1: to Aldi. With Aldi, there's incentives to eat healthier and make your own food. You'll be able to make healthy meals without breaking the bank. The award-winning salmon is just beautiful. By swapping to Aldi over four weeks, we have saved 479 euros.
0: Aldi, the home of swap and save. Shopping before switching to Aldi took place between the 21st of September to the 18th of October 2020 and in Aldi took place between the 19th of October to the 15th of November 2020. Participants received a gratuity.
1: Welcome to Podzane Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and it's a bleary-eyed morning after the election. And I'm joined by political editor Rob Parsons. Hi, Rob.
0: Good morning. Hi. How are you feeling? Not too bad. I think I'm being kept awake by sugar and the adrenaline of an election.
1: What was your best election snack of the night?
0: Uh, I don't know about best, but the most noteworthy, I think, was a bag of. Uh, chocolate lime chocolates which i got from the corner shop near my house which prompted a certain amount of ridicule on social media didn't go down well
1: on twitter did they they no
0: not really i stand by it though uh the lime bit was nice the chocolate bit was nice it just worked well as a as a snack
1: well now the important stuff is out of the way which is obviously food we've eaten overnight my favorite was um some chocolate digestives which is a classic, I know, but dipped in a cup of coffee, you can't, can't
0: beat it. You can't go wrong with that, can you?
1: Um, let's get on to the more boring stuff. But it's not boring, is it? Because lots happen- has happened overnight. What's What's the picture nationally?
0: Uh, well, the the overarching national picture is that uh, Boris Johnson will uh, come back into government today with a uh, working majority
1: it's uh, massive. It's a massive majority. It's much bigger than I expected.
0: It's bigger than most people expected, yeah. I think. And from what I was hearing uh, on TV, it's bigger than conservative uh, sort of sources were estimating as the top end of what they might what they might get. I think in the as before the polls were closing, people were saying anything from a hung parliament to a majority of this kind was the sort of range we were looking at. Mm. So for Boris Johnson to have This kind of majority uh, is a pretty great result for him and obviously, by extension, uh, a terrible result for Labour. And it was mostly terrible uh, in the north of England and the Midlands and uh, the Yorkshire patch as a whole.
1: Yeah, so Jeremy Corbyn said that he won't fight another election as Labour leader, hasn't he? He's going to stand down for that. He hasn't given a timetable by the time this is out. In a few hours' time, I believe there's going to have been a press conference that um, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell are holding to set out that timetable about when a new leader will be found. But, yeah, the Labour Party have really been hurt in, in Yorkshire especially tonight, haven't they? I mean, how many seats is that they have lost as we're recording? Nine? Uh,
0: the latest figure we have is nine. Uh, Colm Valley uh, fell uh, a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Felmer Walker lost uh, the seat to uh Jason McCarthy who's who was previously the MP. Uh other seats that have gone, notable ones, uh Wakefield. Yeah. Mary Cray, uh, Labour MP has uh, has has lost.
1: And she lost to Imran Khan, didn't she, who um regular readers of the Yorkshire Post might remember from him jumping out of a plane and parachuting himself into the constituency. He was
0: referring to the fact that he was literally parachuted in <laughs> uh, after the previous uh, a conservative candidate had to withdraw because of unfortunate uh, remarks that he made that were Social uncovered, un- un- uncovered media, on, wasn't fa- it? on Facebook,
1: which has taken many a scalp this it, election it, it, as well. It, it, it
0: really has. Um, so uh, yeah, so he, Imran Khan was parachuted in and he uh, beat uh, beat Mary Cray, um, Caroline Flint.
1: Yes, Don Valley. Lost
0: in Don Valley, which is a notable result uh, because the whole narrative was around. Uh, Boris Johnson sweeping in and taking all these Labour leave uh, seats um, where there was a, a smallish Labour majority uh, and the population had voted for leave, and the sitting Labour MP uh, had gone along with Labour Party policy and sort of not backed the Brexit deal. But sure, Car- and
1: Caroline's not done that. But has Caroline she?
0: Flint was the exception to that. She had uh, backed the, uh, the Brexit deal in most of its iterations. All the way through the process.
1: And she led that letter, didn't she, of those Labour MPs writing to the EU urging them to accept a deal so we could get on with Brexit, which was a break from what the party was doing as well.
0: Exactly. And I think the fact that she lost despite doing this is says to me that the individual uh, candidates were not the decisive factor for most voters at this election. And I think this is borne out by what you all have heard and what I've heard when I, we've been out and about, mm-hmm. is that uh, when you speak to people about why they're vote, not, not voting for Labour, uh, the two big things that came up were they don't like Jeremy Corbyn and, uh, and Brexit, basically. Do you they- know what?
1: I think that's especially true in Don Valley because there was a Guardian piece earlier on in the year where um, they spoke to loads of constituents, absolutely loads of them, and they were really, really positive about Caroline. And that's, you know, me and you both know, is quite rare, actually, to get out there and for people to actually be praising their MP. Not just saying, yeah, they're all right, or no, we don't see them much, but no, she's representing us and we love her for that. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think the vote went that way because people can't stomach Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah,
0: and Caroline Flint, to her credit, was quite uh, phlegmatic and sort of philosophical afterwards. And she... Although she did criticise Jeremy Corbyn and said that uh, when she was asked about you know her thoughts on why the result went the way it was, uh, she said that people weren't happy not just with Jeremy Corbyn per se, but the politics that he mm. uh, he espouses, uh, which I guess partly reflects his Labour Party's uh, position on Brexit, which has been sort of rather hard to pin down, and now they're uh, remaining neutral. On the matter, but also I think the suspicion that the promises that they're making aren't necessarily uh, achievable. That was something that I heard quite a lot on. Yeah, quite a lot on the doorstep.
1: But not everyone thinks that, do they? Because I was at the Leeds count overnight, um, and Richard Burgeon got his or kept his seat, and he was very angry about the you know the the outcome nationally. So. Um, He kept Leeds East and in his acceptance speech he showed no kind of, humility is not quite the word, but no kind of awareness of why the Labour Party might have done so badly in this election. You know, He was saying our policies were overwhelmingly popular, well clearly that's not true because if not people would have voted for them. Um, And there was a very, very strong attack line that I heard from a lot of places, including from Richard, against the media. And I think the MPs who are loyal to Jeremy Corbyn don't seem to be able to accept that maybe he was the problem here for a lot of voters.
0: I think that's right. I mean, I think it's probably unarguable that some sections of the media are very hostile towards Jeremy Corbyn mm. for their own ideological, oh, ideological reasons. But I think that doesn't deflect from the fact that for a lot of people, his, uh, his ideas... Uh, are too far to the left for them to be able to vote for, and I think what was noteworthy about uh, this election is that uh, at least from the people that I spoke to, is that people were presented with the choice of either Jeremy Corbyn and his sort of hard left uh, agenda, and um, Boris Johnson, who they generally don't particularly trust as a, as a person. So I think people weren't particularly Enamoured with the uh, with the choices that they were that they were faced with.
1: Yeah, it was the least worst option wasn't it? We've got a, we've got a clip of um, Richard Regan's speech actually which we can listen to now
0: I'd like to thank the Attorney
2: Officer and all the people who've been uh, working uh, at this camp tonight I want to thank the people of East Link who've placed uh, their trust in me uh, for the third time to be their Member of Parliament. I I'm very, very worried about the future of people in East Leeds and across the country because it looks like they're facing five years of a Thatcherite Prime Minister yeah. in the shape of Boris yeah. yeah. Conservative activists can cheer, but in my advice session, in my advice sessions, I see people whose lives have been made a misery by mathematical games. Yeah. Yeah. I see people yeah. forced to the fitness to work test. I see people whose lives have been made a misery on universal credit. I see people who are forced to pay the bedroom. Yeah. I see people who are migrants who have been demonised by the Conservatives' hostile environment, and, of course, black British citizens who have been deported as a result of the Windrush scandal. There is so much despair and I fear that this despair will increase. I will never forget, as long as I might live, when somebody, a woman, came to my advice session and showed me the scar on her wrist from where she tried to take her own life after the fitness-to-work test resulted in her being declared fit to work when she wasn't and she tried to take her own life. I will never forget that. No matter how the Conservatives cheer, no matter how much champagne Boris Johnson drinks, shame on you for what you've done to so the working class in our That voted leave. This shows that Labour can and will win in seats that voted to leave the European Union. And finally, I want to pay tribute to an honourable, decent man who's dedicated his life to public service. I want to pay tribute to a friend and a colleague, the Leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn. who's endured disgraceful character assassinations by the right-wing press. Really? I'm proud of what Jeremy's has achieved as leader of the Labour Party, I'm proud about what he's achieved through his political life, and I want to finish by thanking Jeremy, but fundamentally, I want to finish by thanking the people of East Leeds, for not believing the spin in the Sun, the Daily Mail, and the rest of it. Rest assured, Labour will be back. Rest assured, Labour will be back in government. We will end austerity and create a better life for people in Eastleigh and beyond. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, so it's like we're saying, isn't it? It's it's completely still supportive of of Corbyn, and it's I don't know. It's difficult to see. What's going to happen as we go into Friday? I think there's no way Corbyn can't now stand down, and he said himself he won't fight another election. How long do you think he'll hang on for?
0: Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess because of the the way that the Labour Party operates uh, now, and the support that he presumably will continue to have amongst uh, its uh, large membership mm. base, he still has a certain amount of uh, leverage in the timescale that he chooses to to leave, and uh, the successor that he will sort of uh, uh, that he will favour. Um, I mean, given that Boris Johnson now has a uh, a working majority, it seems unlikely that there is going to be another election anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it might provide the Labour Party. An opportunity to reflect a bit which is what the phrase I've been hearing quite a lot overnight. yeah I've heard
1: we need to reflect a lot
0: the need to reflect and also the fact that after previous election defeats and it should be remembered that this is their fourth general election defeat uh, in a row mm. they haven't reflected uh, enough before launching into another uh, leadership campaign and uh, whether that will happen this time remains uh, to be seen, I guess.
1: It's not all bad for Labour though. They've um, managed to take, well, I say take back, they've, um, I guess, held Sheffield Hallam, the MP there who, the former MP, Gerald O'Mara, was elected as a Labour MP but um, then was eventually an independent. Um, but Olivia Blake has taken Sheffield Hallam for, for local listeners. Um, daughter of Judith Blake leads the council leader.
0: Yes, exactly. And I must admit, it, must admit this came as something of a surprise uh, to me. Everything sure, because the Lib
1: Dems thought they were going to get
0: it. Yeah, the Lib Dems thought they were going to get it. I mean, it was at one stage it was considered that it might even be a, uh, a free horse race with the Conservatives uh, in, the, in the mix. The Conservatives, uh, Ian Walker, finished uh, a slightly more distant third place, but um, there was a recount in Sheffield Hallam and, uh, yeah, Labour's Olivia Blake uh, beat um, Lib Dem's Laura Gordon by a few hundred votes, which I think is a surprise for most people because I think there was a, a perception, which I guess perhaps has turned out not to be accurate, that uh, Jared O'Mara's, uh poor performance, uh, to be kind about <laughs> him as MP, will, would have sullied sort of people... Uh, towards uh, Labour and not incline them to vote uh, for another Labour candidate. But it seems that 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 hasn't proven to be the case.
1: And, you know, I feel a bit bad for Laura because Laura's been the... um, Laura Gordon, the Lib Dem candidate, has been the candidate there basically through the whole Jared Amara scandal. And during that time, she's picked up casework for free. She's essentially been the de facto MP, but not sitting at Westminster. So... I, I imagine she's feeling a bit bitter as we go into this morning and has to ask herself some questions.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I guess it's it's a matter of speculation, isn't it, it's to what extent uh, the her not getting in was uh, a reflection on her, or mm. more the, the fact that the Lib Dems have been sort of fading in the polls uh quite heavily and they've had
1: a shocking night as well
0: yeah they have so and they I mean back in in late October they were polling at 20 percent and uh, as before the in in the days before the election they were down at around 13 13 percent and I think Jo Swinson is widely regarded as not having performed particularly well and obviously she has now lost her seat uh herself to the SNP so it may well be that it's it was more of a uh, lack of enthusiasm for the Liberal Democrats than uh, anything to do with Laura Gordon in that, in that particular seat.
1: Yeah, let's have a quick look at the Tories before we finally get some sleep. Um, let's listen to Andrea Jenkins and what she said overnight when she kept her Molly outward seat. Well, what
3: well, an evening, looking the country. Um, thank you for and your fantastic team here, and all the teams out in the polling stations across the constituency. Um, I'm sure you're as tired as the rest of us. Um, thank you to my constituents. I'm just blown away, actually. Um, thank you for electing me to this third time. I'm very conscious that um, some um, Labour votes have come over to me. And I'm, I'll be standing up for everybody. I will be your, continue to be your outspoken Northern voice for Monday and than So thank you very much. I'd also thank you, I'd like to thank my amazing team who's over there. Um, we've never stopped campaigning in my marginal seat these last, um, you know, four years really. But these guys, you know, they've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank my mum. My mum's going into 77, and she's been looking after my toddler, Clifford, and she's absolutely shattered, so thanks, mum, you're my real rock. Now, I think what we've seen, started to see up and down the country this evening, is um, a political earthquake. Now, for too long, for three and a half years, the general public has been ignored, and I think this is needing to happen, and I want to see that, that um, our fantastic party, the Conservative Party, under the leadership of Boris Johnson, we will finally get Brexit done, we'll finally deliver on the results of the veterans. We, we will unite our country and we will take our fantastic country on to better things. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. So, Andrea
1: increased her majority and it's interesting isn't it because she was one of the shocks in was it 2015 when she took the seat off ed balls yes, yes. and um she's increased her majority since and it's interesting because i think that andrea really kind of epitomizes the way that the tory party is moving she's um a brexiteer she's towards the more right wing of the party i suppose and i think if you look at what the Tories have become since the Brexit referendum. I think she really fits the mould that they want to be seeing in their MPs. And it's interesting to see that reflected positively in in the polls. Um, I mean, she'll be she'll be over the moon, won't she?
0: I think she will. And I think the fact that uh, the Conservative Party, the Parliamentary Conservative Party, is now filled with more people like Andrea Jenkins is basically a reflection of the fact that. Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings' strategy has worked pretty much flawlessly. They, they, they pur- obviously purged from the party the uh, MPs who were, uh, who, who were Remainers or not enthusiastic about Brexit and now all the MPs that they have in are fully paid up, uh, fully paid up Brexiteers. Uh, and they they put themselves in a very in a very strong very strong position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think just to mention a couple of others, you've got Stuart Andrew and Pudsey, who was fighting one of the smallest majorities in Yorkshire and is now, you know, in in the thousands. I think he, he had three hundred and thirty one, I believe, or potentially three hundred and thirty nine, um, at the last election. So he's held on to his seat and he's got a massive majority now, and the vast majority of Tory candidates that already had their seats have seen their their majorities increase. It's been a massive vote of confidence in the Tories and massive vote of confidence, arguably, in Brexit. But the Brexit party have caused a few upsets as well, haven't they?
0: Yes, so they haven't won any seats, which was as uh, expected. I think they were hopeful of perhaps getting in in Hartlepool and Richard Tice uh, finished in third place there. But what is quite interesting is that there's a few seats around uh, Yorkshire, both Barnsley seats uh the Brexit Party candidate came second mm-hmm. to the sitting Labour MP, so either Dan Jarvis or Stephanie Peacock. And in both instances, if you add up the Brexit Party votes and the Conservative votes, that would have been more than uh more than the Labour vote. So effectively the the, the pro-Brexit vote in those seats has been split and allowed the Labour MP uh, to get back in,
1: and I uh, hate to say I told you so, but that is what we warned. When you know, when Nigel Farage said, "I'm not going to stand um, MPs in in you know in Tory-held seats, but I am still going to stand them in Labour seats, Labour heartlands," that was the warning but that's still going to hurt the Tories, and yeah. and that's that's how it's played out. Yeah,
0: I mean, it had obviously uh, the national swing towards the Conservatives from Labour has been such that. The Brexit Party standing candidates hasn't ultimately been a factor, but had the swing not been quite so big, then you could have had a situation where the Brexit Party's presence was depriving uh, Conservatives of seats that they might have won uh, in in Barnsley, in uh, Hull. There was a couple of similar instances as well, uh, bits of West Yorkshire like uh, uh, Normanton Pontefract and Castleford was a similar mm. similar situation. I guess the What is hard to calculate is, uh, had the Brexit party not been there, whether those people who ended up voting for the Brexit party would have just gone to the Conservatives or whether they were disaffected Labour voters who would have gone back to Labour or not voted at all. So it's not quite as simple as saying, if you take the Brexit party away, the Conservatives get all those votes. But it's, it's certainly an interesting one to... To speculate upon.
1: God, but if that was the case in, in Yvette Cooper's seat, which she's just regained, isn't it, in um, Normpton, 1st Castle, Yeah. Um. that, you know, she has been unapologetically still flying the Romanian flag, so if, you know, if... Um, the Brexit party have inadvertently kept her in her seat there. They'll surely be kicking themselves.
0: Yes, I think so. And, I mean, what I what we did pick up was that in certain quarters, even amongst traditional Labour voters, there was uh, quite a lot of antipathy towards Yvette Cooper and, you know, the relatively high-profile position she's taken in uh, helping to draft the legislation that, in some people's view, has frustrated uh, Brexit. Mm. So uh, she was... Someone who might have been uh, potentially have been vulnerable, and I think there were people who were a little bit worried uh, about uh, about her but she did ultimately ultimately survive
1: any final thoughts on what this election has meant for yorkshire
0: um well it's obviously redrawn the political map of Yorkshire it looks a lot bluer mm-hmm. uh, than it than it did before uh I mean one um interesting thing to go back to the York, uh, Yorkshire post. Sort of a hobby horse is that now that the uh, Boris Johnson and the Conservatives have got back in again, it will mean that the devolution agreements that uh, his government were in process of negotiating with local leaders can now be uh, continued with.
1: And surely uh, we could have the HST report as well.
0: Uh, the HST report can finally <laughs> be released from cold storage. The uh, Williams review into the rail industry can finally uh, be released. And we'll be
1: knocking on Number 10's doors for all of these things, obviously.
0: They might get round to releasing uh, uh, proposals for social care. There's a whole lot of things that uh, Boris Johnson may now feel he is free to do now that he's uh, unencumbered by electoral concerns.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, the way that the Labour Party reforms and kind of rebuilds itself and to use their phrase reflects is going to be really important for in five years time if it's if it is five years time when we have a new election how many seats they can bring back i think the Labour party really need to reassess the relationship they have with these communities that they feel are heartlands i think a lot of people have felt like they've been taken for granted and not listened to and i think that the party relied far too much on thinking those emotional ties would be a lot harder to break than they than they actually have so it's going to be an interesting it's going to be interesting five years isn't it
0: well very much so
1: that's it from us for now we're going to finally get some sleep after being awake for however many hours we have but thank you so much for joining us on pod country the yorkshire post political podcast you can find us on itunes spotify google podcasts or wherever you usually get your podcasts make sure you leave us a review subscribe and tell your friends Esophageal? esophageal 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 cancer hard to say isn't it but not as hard as it is actually having it that's why we're asking you to shake your lolly for esophageal cancer for lollipop month throughout april you'll be helping to fund cancer research to increase early detection and to help save lives a little lolly goes a long way so donate today or start a fundraiser get ready to shake your lolly for the 30 days of april visit ocf.ie to find out more